0: and you can get an extra three months free, expressvpn.com slash slash film.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Wednesday, July 28th, 2021. On today's episode, we're going to discuss the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Film editorial director, Peter soretta and joining me on today's podcast is Slash Film weekend editor and senior writer, Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. And senior writer, Ben Pearson. Hey, what's going on? Okay, so we got a bunch of news to discuss today. Let's start first with the the Marvel side of the galaxy, Guardians of the Galaxy, the holiday special, which is going to be the next time we see uh, this motley group of guardians. Uh, we have some new quotes from James Gunn. Brad, tell us about it.
2: It sounds like the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special isn't going to be anything. Uh, to ignore or just brush off. Uh, James Gunn has specifically come out and said that uh, it's going to be uh, a must-watch before Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 comes. Uh, So in case you didn't know, the holiday special is coming before Volume 3 happens and is released in theaters. And it's going to be some kind of a big deal because not only is it canon, but you're going to learn stuff that you need to before that sequel comes out. Um, Gunn didn't really get uh, specific, as far as, like, what would be happening or uh, the kind of details, you know, that will carry over simply because Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is still pretty far out. It's uh, del- uh, set for release on May 5th, 2023. So there's a lot of time to pass between now and then, and a lot of other things are probably going to happen in the Marvel Cinematic Universe between now and then. So there you go.
1: You know, this is kind of surprising because I feel like most holiday specials, like, people think of, um, what, maybe Star Wars, the holiday special. Or any of those, um, I don't know. There was a Toy Story. There's been a Kung Fu Panda. There was, um, I guess, the Charlie Brown cartoons, or those holiday specials, maybe. Yeah,
2: yeah, kind of. for, oh, for sure. Yeah, because there's Christmas and Thanksgiving and like a, a bunch of other ones. And then don't forget the Flintstones and a Christmas special. That's a big one. Come on. Oh, I, yeah, I don't how could you possibly that forget that one? Yeah, I've never <laughs> seen it either. I don't know what you're saying,
1: <laughs> but I'm just saying like most of those are like so self-contained and have no rep- repercussions on the franchises. That's is a whole. Marvel.
2: And- it's Marvel.
1: <laughs> so, Brad, I mean, you follow this as closely as any of us. Like, how do you think? I mean, obviously, it's going to show the gro- growth of Groot, right?
2: I mean, like, I'm sure we'll get Christmas Groot. Like, well, he's he's a walking tree. <laughs> if he's not, if he's not a fucking Christmas tree in the holiday special, someone's getting fired.
1: Uh, but like, in what ways can it have major implications into the story that you would need to see this before you watch Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three? I mean, I, mean I, I, I guess it does set up. Like, is it gonna? Is it going to clarify what happens to like Thor's with them now? Right.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's we know the Guardians of the Galaxy are appearing in Thor Love and Thunder. So um it's possible. I but but Thor Love and mm. Thunder comes out next year, doesn't it?
1: Mm, so he'll still be with them, is what you're saying. <laughs> Probably. It's yeah, I
2: I suppose, I suppose it's possible, um but like I mean, for me I think what it is is like the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special obviously is taking cues from the Star Wars holiday special. James Gunn is a fan of it on ironically. Like he actually enjoys it. But I think what this will be is this will be like a hybrid of like what the Star Wars holiday special was trying to be. And then also like a legitimate Guardians of the Galaxy story that just happens to take place during some kind of holiday. Whether it's Peter Quill trying to celebrate Christmas, you know, um, still keeping up Earth traditions. Or if there's some kind of cosmic holiday that, uh, you know, um, (laughs) Drax celebrates or something like that. Maybe they all try to celebrate their own holidays. Um, but Marvel like th- needs
1: their own life day, Brad. I
2: know, right? So I, I feel like it'll be there'll be a legitimate story, and it just so happens to take place around the time of a, of some kind of holiday. And so there'll be things maybe that we learn about the characters, or like something that's introduced that will probably carry over into the guard- next Garden of the Galaxy movie.
1: Yeah, and speaking of that movie, Gardens Galaxy Volume Three is set to film this November. We wrote an article about this, and it, James Gunn has basically said that this film, this script, has been. Finished for like three years now. He's tinkered with it, but it's basically been the same. So, don't expect too many changes.
2: Yeah, Uh, I mean, I mean, it was done before he was, you know, fired by uh, Disney, and then so uh, he said that he's, you know, changed a few things here and there and uh, messed around with like little details, but otherwise, like it's it's been pretty much finished for a while.
1: Yeah, I I, I don't know anything about Volume Three, but I I have talked to a couple people who have read. That script and every single one of them said they cried so so there's that um okay let's move on from the marvel galaxy to the star wars galaxy let's talk about the upcoming ahsoka series there is a social media post from star rosario dawson which confirms or doesn't confirm the live action casting of some some characters from the animated series. Ben, tell us about this.
0: Yeah. So this one is a little bit of a mess. So there are these characters, uh, I, you know, for people out there like me who have not seen any of the star Wars animated shows that have come out recently, you may not be familiar, but these characters, uh, Ezra Bridger and grand Admiral Thrawn are two of like the main, uh, very important characters in star Wars rebels. And I, You know, Rosario Dawson is she played the live action iteration of Ahsoka Tano on The Mandalorian. She's going to be starring in her own spinoff show very soon. And she shared a, uh, I guess she reshared somebody else's uh, post in her Instagram stories. And this person shared, (laughs) okay, Peter, see if you can follow (laughs) me on this, right? This person shared, this random person shared a, like a meme. That originated, that, that like uh, basically says that Mina Massoud, the guy who played Aladdin in the live action Aladdin movie that came out a couple years ago, and Lars Mikkelsen, who provides the voice for Thrawn, have been cast in this live action Ahsoka show. So this random person says this on the internet and says, like, oh, this is great, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing this show basically. I can't wait to see Rosaria Dawson and Mina Masoud, like share the screen together essentially. Rosaria Dawson sees this in her mentions, I guess, and then shares this, reshares this this image.
1: So so and this confirms it. that those two people have been <laughs> cast as their their the animated characters in this live action T V series, right? I mean,
0: maybe, but uh, but she <laughs> didn't actually add any of her own words to this. And she also, I think, I mean, it, it seems to me that she deleted that uh, Instagram story that she shared. Um, so there are two, uh, the way I see it, two potential options here. So <laughs> as the lead of the upcoming Ahsoka show, one could guess that, hey, maybe the lead of the show has some inside track on what's going on with the casting news. Maybe the, the people involved, the producers of the show, come to her and ask her about the show. Maybe, you know, the casting, maybe the, she's done chemistry reads with some of these people, something like that. Um, so maybe she saw this post, assumed that the news was like out there in an official capacity, and just shared it because she is excited about working with these guys. Or maybe she uh, just got duped or like is excited about the possibility of maybe working with these guys. I mean, there's there's so many different ways that this could go. Um, the fact that she deleted it could be like Disney yelling at her, hey, take this down. We're not ready to officially announce this yet. It could also be her realizing, oh, I shared this thing that I that is like factually inaccurate and I should take it down before other people assume that I'm lending lending credence to this uh you know false story so there's a lot going on
1: here so so I mean, you're saying the fact that she shared this and the fact that she deleted it could either mean that she did or she didn't have information on this which means that we know <laughs> nothing
0: right. yes that's exactly right i mean I, I think um peter you would know way more than i would but yeah. even as somebody on the outside looking in it seems very likely to me that these characters, Ezra and Thrawn are actually going to appear in live action in this Ahsoka show. And it's also possible that these actors might even end up playing those characters. But I think right now it's just like, it's a little too early to, you know, be proclaiming across the internet. This is an official thing because um, (laughs) as you can tell from the uh, the labyrinthine tracing of what the hell just went on here and who, where the story came from and all of this, this kind of stuff um it's uh it's
1: far from official at this yeah. point yeah this is far from official I I would go I would go as far as saying I would bet money that Lars is drawn in this show but that is only based on Star Wars Rebels ends on a cliffhanger which is going to most likely I would say I'm 99% sure lead into the series and what the adventure is for the series, which is mm-hmm. uh, uh, Ahsoka, trying to, Ahsoka and Sabine trying to find Ezra Bridger. And he was last seen with Thrawn, and Thrawn is played by Lars and the animated show. So for him to reprise his role in live action here seems, I don't know, it seems like almost a lock. But like you said, yeah, this doesn't confirm anything. It definitely doesn't confirm the Ezra Bridger cast casting there. That that could just be fan. I don't know. This you you never know with these things. Like we've reported stuff in the past. We were the ones that broke the story that Rosario Dawson was playing Ahsoka in Mandalorian. You know, stuff right. does leak out of these productions all the time. And Star Wars and Disney with this production isn't even announcing casting. Do you know what I mean? Like they just right. want the people to show up on the series. So, yeah,
0: I think and to take this even further into the weeds, like when we reported the Rosario Dawson thing, I'm pretty sure that like Deadline and Hollywood Reporter and some of the other big outlets also like independently confirmed that. Oh, yeah, and they followed did. up and, you know, wrote their stories after we published ours. But this this uh, quote unquote news about Mina Masode and <laughs> Lars Mickelson originated in a YouTube video from Latino Reviews YouTube page that was published like a week ago. And nobody has really picked up on this since. So, um, that d- doesn't really make it seem to me like it's a real thing quite yet. Uh, they could very well be, you know, at the top of the, the wanted lists for these roles or something, maybe even like in talks, but it, it doesn't seem like the the ink is dry on the contracts quite yet.
1: Yeah. So I, I guess this whole discussion is, uh, to tell you guys out there that are listening to this podcast, to uh, to not always assume or to, I mean, it, it's hard because news outlets are picking up this Instagram post and running it as a confirmation. So I, I guess,
0: yeah, we just want people to be <laughs> informed about what's going on. Maybe don't <laughs> don't uh, believe every headline you read, and, and sometimes it's important to uh, to dig around and, and find the you know do this this ridiculous back tracing of where all this stuff came from to sort of figure out you know in common sense whether or not it makes sense that this is actually happening.
1: Yes uh (laughs) let's move on to our next story uh one of ben's favorite movies die hard uh they were gonna make a, a prequel to die hard it seems like that is not happening anymore brad tell us about it
2: yeah so there have been rumblings of a die hard prequel for a long time uh the the idea of a die hard prequel first originated with a boom studios comic book back in 2009 called die hard year one that was taking place before the events of the first movie Back during 1976, when McClane was first earning his badge, and then sometime later, Fox decided that it was a good idea to turn Die Hard One into your year, year One into a movie. Uh, but it had a, a different story, and it wasn't just adapting the comic. And it still followed a story about John McClane before the events of Die Hard. It was supposed to explain kind of how he, you know, became the character he was in Die Hard, which is very, very silly. Um, and thankfully, it seems like uh, in the process of Fox moving over to Disney that some people thought that maybe that wasn't such great a great idea because uh, producer Lorenzo di Bonaventura... Uh, who's been making the publicity rounds while Snake Eyes is coming to theaters, uh, was recently asked about this project that he was attached to for a long time. And we hadn't heard anything about this since 2018, so no one was really clamoring to see what was going on with this movie that has since gone by the title McClane. Um And De Ventura has basically said that the project just isn't happening anymore. Um, There's no development on it. It's not actively being worked on or anything. And so it's just kind of fallen by the wayside and isn't in the works anymore. So uh, he still believes in the idea, I guess, because um, he says, quote, what was interesting about our idea was it allowed you to, you the ability to meet young John McClane and use uh, Bruce Willis too. So it was really interesting uh, in that way. So you sort of got to see both versions of him a bit like the Godfather part two. That's uh, a big swing, Lorenzo, <laughs> comparing <laughs> uh, a Die Hard prequel to The Godfather Part 2. Um, but this this was a prequel where we would have a, a different actor playing young John McClane, but then Bruce Willis w- would be in the movie as well. But it wasn't just as bookend pieces to begin and end the movie. Apparently, uh, a long, back when the movie was still in development and Live Free Your Die Hard director Len Weissman was still attached, uh, he said that it was a, a script... That was like a hybrid prequel and sequel that um, used Bruce Willis even more than just a bookend cameo. So there was there's, must have been some kind of narrative connective tissue that had McLean doing something in modern day. And it tied back to something with uh, a young John McLean too. But now we'll never get to see it and nobody cares. <laughs> <laughs> this,
1: this is really the approach I was hoping they were going to take with Indiana Jones. Ben, I know... You know, you are a fan of Die Hard. Are, yeah. are, are you are you bummed or are you happy that they're not making this prequel?
0: I'm very glad that they're not making this. I feel like Die Hard is is done. It's over. It's dead. Let it die. Uh, it, it was buried a long time ago. Um, <laughs> wh- what is the... Uh, I'm trying to even remember the one that came after... Live- a Good, a Day, Good Day, Day to, to Die, die Hard. Hard. Oh, my God. Uh, that is like one of the worst studio movies that I've seen in... Uh, I don't know, ten years or something. It is very bad, and um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm glad. Wait, this wait, wait is not which happening.
1: one was that? Was that the one with Justin Long?
0: No, that was Live for or Die Hard. A Good Day to Die Hard, I believe, was with uh, Jai <laughs> Courtney as his son, oh. and they yes. like, it's, yep. it's in Russia or something yes. for the most part, yep. and like Bruce Willis is like pissed <laughs> off about being in Russian traffic, and
2: like not only that, oh. but 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 like uh, every you know few minutes he says he's I'm supposed to be on vacation. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh yes yes of course so um uh, yeah mary elizabeth Wynne said, notwithstanding i don't like that movie
1: <laughs> yeah no I, I i agree i i've i think i've wiped it from my from my brain at this point uh, okay let, let's talk about the ghostbusters afterlife trailer a trailer came out yesterday for this new movie from jason reitman uh, i don't want to get into the whole uh Fan discussion of, you know, what happened with uh, the last Ghostbusters movie uh, from Paul Feig. I just want to talk about this trailer itself um, because I know, I don't know, it feels like it's it's kind of like that, like the Zack Snyder Justice League thing where you can't talk about one without talking about the fandom. But I want to try to avoid the fandom here and let's just talk about the the, the art, the film. Um, itself here. Uh, so, this new trailer came out, and uh, Brad, let's go with you first. So what was your reaction? Oh, before, if you haven't seen this trailer, there's a link in the show notes to go watch this trailer. Brad, you're the biggest Ghostbusters fan I know. What did you think of the Ghostbusters Afterlife trailer?
2: Uh, I love this trailer. Um, I was not expecting to love this trailer this much. Um, it, it honestly brought a tear to my eye in the same way that the teaser trailer for The Force Awakens did when I first saw it. Um, it just gave me some nice nostalgic feelings. I, I like the the tone it's striking. Um, it's it doesn't feel like a traditional Ghostbusters movie, and I appreciate that so much because I don't think you can replicate the first two Ghostbusters with the old cast in this, the current state that they're in. Um, and considering how long the franchise has been around, I think this is the right. Approach, uh, inject it with a, a new tone, but keep some of the pieces in, in play that people remember from the original Ghostbusters, introduce it to a new generation without completely overhauling everything. Um, and like, there were some people complaining that this movie, the tra- or the trailer rather, like struck that same chord, you know, and like, th- this doesn't feel like the original Ghostbusters. And I'm like, good, I don't need another Ghostbusters movie that is exactly like the first two or trying to be like the first two. I like what is different about this and I and I appreciate it. So I'm yeah, I'm very excited to see if this movie can can pull off what it's offering in this trailer.
1: Yeah, I also really connected with the trailer, the nostalgia of it. I I like that this doesn't seem like it's World-ending consequences, or I mean, maybe it is, but it it seems very small. It's taking place in a small like Midwest town. It doesn't seem like you know, it's not another big city like uh, the, the the last two films. It's um, it, yeah, they're trying to do something different. Sure, they have the ecto one, they have the the proton packs, they got the ghost trap, they got something that looks like Slimer, they got a small version of uh, Stay Puff. Uh, you know, I I feel like it, you got to. Include some of those things in there to uh, like to introduce it to new generation, and I also like I like that this is a a story about a family, and it's about a new generation, it's about legacy, and it's from Jason Reitman, who is the son of Ivan Reiman, who was you know the director of the original uh, films, and. You know, Jason, his entire career has been running away from, I don't want to say running away from that Reitman name, but like, uh, because I know he's very proud of his dad and he's proud of his family, but he's been trying to make his own uh, dent in the cinematic landscape. And whenever he was asked about Ghostbusters, he was like, oh, no, no, I'll never do a big movie like that. I'll never do car chases. I'll never do uh, whatnot. And it's cool that they're working together creating Ghostbusters for a new generation um yeah so that that was my thoughts uh Ben I'm guessing you're probably a little bit colder on it than Brad and I
0: yeah I mean I I grew up with this movie but or with the the first Ghostbusters anyway I think I've probably only seen Ghostbusters 2 one time um and uh but it was never like a, a huge touchstone you know like personality defining movie for me so I don't necessarily have the same level of nostalgia that a lot of folks have around this particular movie and this franchise. Like, you know, the, um, I really liked the, the 2016 movie. I guess we don't need to talk about that because that, <laughs> that brings in a whole another conversation, but, um, I enjoyed that. And and so I'm like not opposed to new Ghostbuster stuff, but this one, um, I don't know. I'm, I'm seeing a couple red flags here. Like the, uh, the, tiny stay puffed marshmallow men. (laughs) I'm, I'm kind of like wary of that as a concept. Uh, you know, I, I kind of agree with Brad that like, you know, I I don't want to see just a rehash of the same thing as what happened in the first two movies, especially because the original cast is so old now and it just, it's not going to have that same energy. It's going to feel a little bit more depressing than I think people have it, you know, are building it up in their minds if they, if they really think that they want that. Um, So I kind of like the idea of them taking it in a in a different direction. I'm just not sure if like this, you know, Stranger Things vibe is really the direction that uh, makes the most sense to me. But um, you know, I'm I'm okay with like sitting in the back seat for this one and just being like, hey, this isn't really my favorite (laughs) franchise. It's not really like my thing. So uh, hopefully, it works and and it is like a better. Uh, blockbuster than you know anybody is expecting so uh I, i certainly like don't harbor any ill will toward this movie i just am sort of looking at it a little bit more askance than you guys are at this
2: stage you know i know stranger things is on like the tip of everybody's tongue when it comes to that tone um and i understand why because it's the most recent thing that's been like that but like this, this, well
0: Finn Wolfhard too I think for sure big. for sure
2: but, but like but I feel like the tone of this trailer and it seems like what this movie is probably going for goes all the way back to to all the old Amblin movies that Spielberg did you know e- E.T. and the Goonies and that's exactly what Stranger Things is trying to emulate anyway um, mm-hmm. and, and funnily enough I feel like if you go watch the Super 8 trailer and then watch this trailer the the pace throughout and exactly what it's trying to achieve is ex- is very very similar and yeah. Super
1: 8 turned out to be the best movie. No, sorry. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, no I, I agree with what Brad's uh, saying here. And you, you know what? I'm going to put a link in the show notes. Uh, Jason Reitman did this exclusive trailer breakdown for IGN where he went through the trailer like shot by shot. It's like a 15-minute long thing. And he kind of uh, explains – or he gives some insight into what's happening on screen. But uh, I think what's more interesting is explaining his thought process on why he chose to do things in certain ways, why he chose to set this outside of, you know, a city, why he chose to set it with kids. He, and uh, I don't know, it it, it, it brought, uh, it gave me a, an appreciation for it that I, I didn't have, I, not that I don't assume that Jason is a thoughtful filmmaker because he, it tends to put a lot of thought into all his films, but it, it's good to hear the the reasoning and stuff. Uh, Brad, I know you did a, a trailer breakdown. Was there anything in this trailer that people might've missed that they should be on the lookout if they watch it again?
2: I mean, the clearest thing that there are several allusions to and that you get the vibe up is uh, exactly what kind of terror is at play here. And it calls back to the original Ghostbusters uh, and the, the return of Ghost of the Gozerian. Which explains, you know, why we're seeing a lot of similar things that have that have popped up before, from the mini Stay Puffs to the Terror Dogs. Um, but you'll uh, you also notice that, like uh, one of the um, specters, you know, that we see is this uh, different version of the Terror Dog. We obviously see the regular um, dog, like one that chases after Paul Rudd out of Walmart. Uh, But there's another one that is shown in like a smoky spectral form. And it's this new sentinel terror dog that they've shown in an action figure form as well. That is like uh, essentially like almost like a minotaur version of the terror dog that stands on two legs and is big and muscular. So they're changing up the the, the villains uh, and creatures a little bit in this movie in addition to, to bringing back Gozer, which you do get a brief glimpse of in statue form and uh, in a very quick, <laughs> quick, quick shot in some kind of underground temple, which is pretty cool.
1: Yeah. Uh, y- you know, we got to talk about the stinger of the shower, because the stinger, it takes place in
2: raise a cult.
1: Yeah. I have a, I have a t-shirt, the raise a cult t-shirt from uh La- last exit to nowhere, which is a great t-shirt place. Um, but I didn't realize uh and it was cool to see this in the trailer it was it was a great like oh wow moment but i didn't realize until i was watching that breakdown from jason reitman that like how well they recreated that set like that that red telephone yeah is in that set uh did you notice the tattoo
2: I, I yeah i saw that in uh in the breakdown i didn't see it when i was watching the trailer but like that the if you look at dan Aykroyd's arm apparently in the time since ghostbusters 2 he's Got a tattoo on his arm of the Bible quote that him and Winston talk about in the original Ghostbusters. Yeah.
1: Revelation 6.12. Uh, you know what I'm very curious about? Uh, and I can get your, your thoughts on this uh, Stinger uh, scene trailer in a second. But I'm really curious, like, how does the world of Ghostbusters take the events of that happened in New York City? Because that, I mean, I, I guess it happened twice, right? But still... You know, kids today, like, the kids of the age that are in this movie didn't grow up during the events of, say, even, like, uh nine eleven, right? Like, that took place before they were born, and the events of what happened, in, and I'm, I'm assuming kids, like, they, these days have to go, go to YouTube and, like, look up that stuff, even though it was, you know, 9-11 is one of the biggest events, you know, of the last hundred years. And I'm wondering... You, you know, the, the events of the first two Ghostbusters, those took place, what, 20 years before that, almost? Maybe 15 years before that? Um, like, what kind of effects do you think, Brad, like, the the world? Like, it, do, does the world remember the Ghostbusters?
2: No, and I think that they've established that um, with the first trailer because when – um phoebe who is egon spangler's granddaughter brings a ghost trap that she finds in the farmhouse left to her family into school uh paul rudd's character is is like he's like oh cool replica and they're like of what and he's like a ghost trap it's like don't you know about this and they have no idea what he's talking about and like originally i thought that this was like kind of weird and it's like how do you forget something like that like it's freaking ghosts attacked in new york city all (laughs) across it but then i remembered like it's something that's kind of already established in Ghostbusters and it's, it almost kind of like fits in a very New York way because Ghostbusters two is set five years after the original Ghostbusters. And it's kind of funny that uh, it's actually Jason Reitman himself in a, in a cameo as a kid in Ghostbusters (laughs) two says that he says, my dad says that you guys are full of crap and that five years after the events of Ghostbusters, tons of people don't even think it was a real thing that happened, that it was some kind of hoax that, you know, that, that those events, weren't even real, you know? So I guess it's not hard, at least in the universe they've established, for people to have forgotten that something like that happened, you know? And so th- that no one's talking about it anymore.
1: Brad, we, we're living during a pandemic where half half America believes that, that the the vaccine is a hoax. <laughs> so yeah, so, like,
2: they, so there you I feel go. like
1: it's not unbelievable at all. Uh, sadly, sadly. Um, ben, what did you think of The Stinger?
0: Um... <laughs> i mean that's the kind of thing where i'm like i don't know i i really think i i think it, it actually works really really well as a stinger in a trailer i'm i'm very curious to see how it's going to get incorporated into the the movie as a whole like what what exactly is the involvement level of all the original folks uh in this movie and i think the answer to that question is going to like directly correlate with the uh, the ultimate quality level of this movie as a whole.
2: Well, I would say that we already have a potential answer to that question thanks to some action figures unveiled by Hasbro. No? Tell what, us about what was it. That? Uh, so. After the trailer came out yesterday, uh, Hasbro released their the first line of action figures that are coming from uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife. And in addition to the four young Ghostbusters that we'll see in the movie, uh, the fourth one being a character played by Celeste O'Connor who plays uh, a young friend that Finn Wolfhard's character makes in the movie, who we've seen a little bit of, but we didn't know she was going to be one of the new Ghostbusters until this action figure came out. Along with those... Uh, were the three uh, original Ghostbusters in their aged form, where we, we see Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, and um, Ernie Hudson. And Bill Murray has a full head of gray hair. Uh, Ray and Winston have a little bit of salt and pepper on the sides of their head. And they're wearing their full uh, Ghostbusters jumpsuits, jumpsuits. So it looks like they will be back <laughs> in full gear at some point in this movie.
1: How much do you think we'll see of that, though? Is, it, is it that...
2: I imagine it'll be at the at the very end that they'll probably show up, and it'll we'll get our big finale with with all the kids and the original team.
1: See, that's tough. I, I, I think I'm on Ben's side on this one because if this is the story of these kids and they just show up and save the day, like how do you do that balance? Like, yeah, how do you make it not about them? I guess the
0: same question could be asked about um Jurassic World Dominion, right? Cuz that's yeah. doing the same thing, like bringing bringing the old uh Jurassic Park crew back and I'm I'm very curious about the um like the formula in that one too, like what the I know that the, that's supposed to be big roles for Laura Dern and Sam Neill and and Goldblum uh in that one too. So, yeah, it's just like, you know, we're in a weird era of um of IP where like these studios are still uh you know, they're tapping these franchises that the original stars are still around and, and like trying to incorporate them into these new movies. So it's just like each individual movie strikes its own balance in a, in a unique way. So I'm, I'm curious how it plays out across the board.
2: I think for Jurassic World Dominion, what's going to probably happen is we'll see Dr. Alan Grant, Dr. Sadler and Dr. Malcolm speed up in one of those Jurassic Park Ford Explorers. And they'll all get out with, like, the gear that they came in their, in their action figures back in the day. And they'll be like, step back, Owen Grady. We got this from here. And they just start fighting dinosaurs. The, the,
0: I thought you were going to say they get immediately eaten. <laughs> and
1: like a, like, like a Gruber bit or something.
2: <laughs> Guys!
1: <Yeah. laughs> they, 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 they each have those night vision goggles on their head. And they, like, put them down and, like, pull out, like, some kind of, like, ecto gun and shoot at them. No, I, I don't think I... I i hope i hope both these d- handle this much better than we're you know uh fearing but um yeah, i mean we, I'm, we...
2: I'm not necessarily fearing the ghostbusters part just because i feel like it just kind of has to be something that that happens it's, it's how it's done is is what's gonna matter i think
1: yeah yeah uh okay well we we have articles on all these things we'll link them in the show notes you can find Slash Film Daily every weekday on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send to your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at com. And please, if you like this podcast, go to Apple's podcast, write us like a sentence or two, give us a five-star rating, tell your friends, spread the word, and we'll see you tomorrow.